Christians are rightfully bothered by the plethora of churches. They ought to be bothered more by the source of this fracturing. Apart from the many different branches and church models at the local level, Christianity is divided into two major denominations. Apriorians argue for a third denomination, but as a latecomer, it behoves us to justify this decision. Naturally there are reasons for this as there is a reason for everything. Everyone has a reason for what they do. It's not significant that a reason for forming a third denomination can be put forward. As said, reasons can be found for doing anything and everything. People find reasons for doing the most insane of actions. Police look for motives in a mass shooting event which is something that can never be justified. So, we ought not be swayed by the presence of an excuse for starting a denomination. You understand why we do not wish to rationalize the decision, then, in the way done by other churches when they were formed. Even less do we want to be satisfied with the threshold accepted as a justification for the formation of a political party or new business. Demand for a product or service is not a sufficient reason for providing it. This is especially true when talking about something as significant as the formation of a new Christian denomination. There is always the possibility of customizing a product for an audience that is not being served. But this kind of thinking gives Christianity churches that respond to every sort of sin and sinner, even unto the devil himself. The threshold of what serves as an excuse for forming a new church has been set so low, any internal conflict likely leads to an exodus and an ecclesiastical division. The a priorian church does not wish to avail itself of the opportunities made available to it by the politics of the fallen world. The justification for a priorian is to overcome the path of political solutions. The churches and indeed the denominations reflect the values and standards and indeed, the expectations of politicians. Christians, or at least their elites, have not been held to the standard Christians ought to reflect. There are many not being served by one of the local churches, or the two prevailing Christian denominations. But the lusts of the flesh ought not bring about new ways of worshipping. What is so rarely understood by Christian and atheists, is that there are two different groups mentioned in scripture. The Bible talks about the sinners and saved and those of the flesh and those of the spirit. But these are not divisions similar to those that divide people with red hair and those with blonde hair. The biblical divisions reflect far-reaching and significant differences. Indeed, the Bible talks of people being chosen from the beginning of creation, and in other places it talks of hardening some people's hearts so they cannot be saved. Matt 13 14-16 And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Even without this evidence, the Bible is clear, man must be reborn, to be taken into heaven. As flesh, we are born sons of Adam. We are the children of inherited sin. But in this fallen state no one can enter the kingdom of heaven we must be reborn as the sons of God. This is a spiritual rebirth. We put off the form of the old man and take on the form of a new creature born in the substance of our Creator. In this way we become heirs of a new kingdom and the sons and daughters of the Most High, brother and sister to Jesus Christ, our Saviour. This is not a change similar to becoming taller or leaner or more aged. 
we are a new creature not a modification of the old. This means we are no longer human, or we are human but not of the same race as those who are still in the flesh. What we are not is of the same class or nature as the people whom we were. The change undergone is like evolution, but it is spontaneous and catastrophic. Nothing of the old creature remains. The transformation is akin to a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. But perhaps people have spent too much time focused on this part of the transformation. Catholics and Protestants are happy to get babies baptized and later confirmed in the case of Catholics or dedicated and later baptized in the case of Protestant denominations. The thief on the cross is often referenced as proof that works without faith is a secure path to salvation, forgetting that even the thief in his constrained situation preached the gospel of Christ and witnessed to his fellow unfortunate. Luke 23 verses 39 to 43 And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Unfortunately, the church has confused salvation by faith with salvation without evidence. It often seems to be that faith is considered to be a self-assessed condition. Faith without works, suggests James, is faith without rebirth. One is not a new creature in Christ without following the cross and this is something we ought to be able to witness in others. Christians seem not to have understood the dynamic. We are saved by faith, faith needs works, but it is by our works we are known. So when Jesus says there will be many who call our Lord, Lord, and Jesus says he never knew them, we know what he means. Matt. 7.16-24 Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. This passage has two main points. The major point is that works do not save. These people calling out to God, know God. They are doing great works in his name. Yet, Jesus tells them to depart from him, ye that work inequity. If faith saves, how is that they know Christ and while claiming to have done great works remain condemned in the sight of God? Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. The second point of course is that Jesus did know them despite their works. Do we conclude from this that their faith did not save them? 
a clue is the last line of the quote from Ephesians. This reads, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. We are created for his purpose. We are known by our works but not by good works, but works that bear the fruits of faith, reflecting the will of God in the work that we do. The churches of the two denominations, the Catholic and Protestant churches, lead men to faith and to the works these churches provide. By their fruits the congregation is known, because they bear fruit that only builds clubs and lecture halls. The church of the third denomination, Upriorianism, bears the fruit of faith as a true community of believers. We are the church, but we are more than the attendees of lectures and observers of a Christian worship team. The resolution to the dilemma alluded to in the above quotes, is the church as a community. This is also the church as a community devoid of political influence. Apolitical groups are what we call, the Apriorian Church or the Church of the Third Denomination. This is to distinguish the apolitical church from the conventional clubs and meeting halls known as churches within a political environment. Christians have sold faith short, not as short as atheists, but most Christians seem to hold a view of faith that would make Satan and his demons eligible for salvation. But rest assured, God is not the author of confusion. Faith in God changes nothing for God, who is transcendent, sovereign and unchangeable. This is why we are saved through grace, if we were saved by works, we would need to do something that would change God. But if our works cannot change him, what is faith if we suppose it to alter the trajectory of God's will? It is not just theology that makes it difficult to believe faith in God is the crucial factor in salvation that churches think it is. The truth of God is written in our hearts. We are told that when those who do not know Christ live according to the truth, this counts as salvation. The Bible also tells us that the works of Abram were counted as faith as were those of Noah. In those days the Messiah had not arrived, nor had he died on the cross. How then were people saved? Even in those days before Christ, works did not save the sinner. But they were not saved by faith in Christ, either. Romans 2 verses 12 to 15 For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another winking smiley. This passage clearly says, the doors of the law shall be justified. Yet, we also know it is not the law that saves. The law reveals sin. We can conclude more is going on here than is ordinarily considered. It is important to discern what it means to be saved and by what fruits are we made known. Christians ought not treat faith as casually as has been the case. This is why there is a need of third denomination. Catholicism and Protestantism have fallen short of what is required. They have neither built the church nor become a light to the world. Conventional churches are as the third servant to whom little was given and who had that little taken away to be given another. The churches have provided their congregations with a smooth path to salvation. Faith is not fulfilled by accepting God's existence. The fruits of faith are not produced by entering into a vertical relationship with God. It might seem logical to suppose faith is fulfilled by accepting the word of God, but we forget the passage in Matthew is a clear description of what it takes to be saved. 
Matt 18 15-19 Moreover if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. The Catholic Church taught us to think entry into heaven was about St. Peter at the gate of heaven. This is prima facie nonsense. Few there are that do not have their destination decided, long before they die. If we are known by our fruits, it is unlikely that this knowledge is only available to the church after the person has died. Though, if we listen to eulogies, everyone who dies was at least a saint or higher. What is significant is that this passage in Matthew lays out a path of reconciliation that, if not taken, becomes a barrier to salvation. But how is it possible for the church to define salvation if the penitent can make an end run around the people of God and pray a prayer of repentance to be saved? There is good reason for believing Matthew 18 verses 15 to 19 to be the most important verses in the Bible. But as is the case with so much else that is troublesome for our politically minded age, it is rarely addressed ecclesiastically. The Apriorian church sees these verses in Matthew as center to our theology. It is the church that has the authority over salvation, not the individual. It is the church that defines the faith of the believer, not the believer. Obviously, faith in our Saviour Jesus Christ is foundational. It is what the church defines. But this faith in Christ is meaningless, if it does not make the believer an intrinsic part of the body of Christ. Yet, even in this fundamental necessity, the two denominations failed the believer. When the believer enters the church, he or she is not entering a building or even an association of believers. It is where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, that we find Jesus. But we cannot make this gathering in the name of Jesus, a matter of self-identification. Only those who do his will are counted among the faithful. To be gathered in the name of Jesus is not an ad hoc, periodic coming together as in a club. When the Bible talks about gathering people together it is not talking about a picnic lunch or theatre show. It was said that having faith in Jesus is meaningless if we do not have faith in his followers, but it is meaningless to say we have faith in one another if there are not fruits demonstrated. The gathering is a market. These fruits of our faith are the fruits of the Spirit, meaning the value we create as a community of believers. This term must be understood in the broadest way possible. If we are in the world to any degree, we are not in the church. There are not political elements in the church. A priori and survivalist strategy consists of devising ways to separate from all political contaminations or sources of risk. A priori and survivalists identify the enemy as Satan and the first division as that which exists between good and evil. This division is represented by two systems, the political and the Christian which functions as the church. This division is very deep and wide and unbridgeable. It is the division between those of the flesh and those of the spirit. But there is no sign of this division in this world system. The church has not divided from the political world order. It adopted the ethos of Babylon and the pathos of liberalism and is interred as part of the new world order. 
This is the cabal that seeks to re-establish the Tower of Babel in the form of a political system that encompasses the entire world. The Catholic and Protestant churches are incapable of removing the sin from their defiled robes. They are compromised. These churches are lovers of property because their heart is where their treasure is and their treasure is in the world. The politics of this world fixes their eyes on the things of the world. Until the church can divest itself of all political elements it is compromised. The Apriorian church divests itself of the things of this world, the physical property it has no right to. In ordinary terms this is best considered to be commercial property, not personal property. We have a right to the things we need for personal use but not to capital. Until this step is completed, we cannot be free of the regulatory state. To assist in the process of divestment create a survivalist church. Survivalist churches are not about the preservation of the body but the preservation and the prioritization of the faith. Markets represent the level of faith we have in one another, when unregulated. Survivalist churches create unregulated markets for believers. The more treasure we divest ourselves of, the greater our faith and the higher our chance of survival. This is not a subjective or emotional characterization of the situation. The more of our treasure that is held by the market rather than in private or public hands, the better the chance of survival we have. The church is a community without political parties or leaders. The church is a community geared towards survival. This requires absolute faith in God and in one another and in the Holy Spirit that works in and through us. This is dependent on faith in the saving power of Christ. The church represents not just the divestment of wealth but the divestment of politics and the rejection of the legal system that is integral to the political systems. 1 Timothy 1 verses 9 to 10. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for menstealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Markets do not need to be regulated because they do not externalize costs. If we each pay the costs we create and no one is laying claim to what they did not create, there is nothing for the state to regulate. By being the church, we eliminate threats to our survival. The third denomination is dedicated to the survival of the faithful, the remnant that has not soiled themselves with the politics of Satan. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 16 to 17 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. 